Welcome to the High Road to Leadership. I'm your host, Beverly Lewis, and we are on the road to success and significance. And today, I have a guest that's going to help us continue in the journey. I want you to meet Letitia Bates. Letitia is a mindset and empowerment coach specializing in helping coaches and consultants get unstuck and stop procrastinating. Uh, I know that word well, Letitia. Stop procrastinating. My work, Her work focuses on helping women uncover emotional blocks that have been preventing them from stepping into their fullest potential. She helps create strategies, build systems, and implement tools to grow and scale Uh, help scale clients' businesses, and she uses a combination of EFT, NLP, and other coaching tools to help clients shift their mindset to construct a new paradigm for their life and business. Hello, shift mindset coach. I love that, Letitia. Welcome. Hello. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Letitia is also the author of a book on Amazon. It's a best-selling book called I Can, 12 Keys to Achieve Personal Success in the Smartest Way. So she's the perfect person to talk to today as we continue our journey on this high road to leadership. So Letitia, you started your book with a comment that just, it wasn't at the very beginning, but it was toward the beginning. And I stopped on that page and I thought deeply about what you said. Keys unlock doors, you must open them. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So I think what we do is, you know, we go searching, we want help with this. We want to figure out this, we want to do this. And so we get all this information, especially in these days, Right. We're information overloads. We sign up for this program. We sign up for that program. And so we're basically getting handed the keys to the kingdom, really. I mean, there is nothing you can't Google or YouTube today and find out. So we uh, accumulate the information in our mind, but we're not actually using that to open the doors for ourselves and step into a new way of being, a new way of thinking, a new way of living. So you got the key. Uh, but now you've got to put in your part of the work to actually open the door. That is so very true. And it gives me such an image, um, just a very pick. It gets a picture in my mind. So I don't want to, I don't want to distract myself. That's for sure. So also another quote that I saw at the very beginning, I thought, oh, I'm going to like this lady. You quoted Zig Ziglar, and he said, you've got to be before you can do and do before you can have. And I believe that is the foundation of your word, can, I can. So can you tell us about that word? And, you know, because I just thought it was a, like a positive little mantra that people say, I can. You know, my dad always taught me, don't say I can't. Can't never could, right? <laughs> so talk to me about the foundation of I can. Yes. Yeah, so I can is actually a system. It's an acronym. And the each letter stands for something different. Each letter is a chapter in the book. And because of the be, do, have, it starts with the I, which the I and I can stands for identity. How are you identifying yourself? And what I find typically uh, is that people identify themselves based on their past, which makes sense. 
right? Um, not just the job title they have, not just I'm a teacher, I'm a nurse, but it's also I'm a divorcee, I am single. And that is really powerful how you're identifying yourself. When you first think about how you're identifying yourself, that's the label, that's the lens from which you are seeing the world and operating. So that first chapter in the book is getting clean about where you are finding your identity. The second uh, letter in the book is C, which is for care. And what I talk about in the book is this emotional part of us. Like we don't really want to deal with things that are hard for us emotionally. So we have our identity. Maybe let's say I give an example in the book of a person who was divorced and it was a really intense divorce. And that divorce shamed her because people in her family didn't get divorced. So she's now looking at herself through the lens of a divorcee, which does not have positive connotations. Then when you get into the C, there's some emotions that come up. And so we're not really trained to take care of our emotions. We're trained to fight the fear and do it anyway, put yourself up by bootstraps, all this stuff. So we're not really caring about how we're feeling. And the emotions are where so much of our power lies. So what I offer in the book is an emotional inventory for you to begin to take that process of caring about how you feel. All right. So now I've identified myself a certain way. I've got some emotions here, right? I'm trying to care for them. What do I do now, now that I have this care, this emotional inventory done? Well, the next thing you have to have a mechanism of attending to those emotions. And I'm a master EFT tapping practitioner and tapping is a powerful tool to help people regulate their emotions, reduce the stress response and shift out of painful emotions. So the attending part of I can is through that tapping. And then the N is I can, and I can is notice. What we have a tendency to do is we will get on a journey, start that journey, do some work, and then get really frustrated that we're not all the way down the road. And what I encourage you to do with the N is to take notice of what has changed. It's really, really important that you start celebrating your successes or your wins, right? Your progress, not just the success. So if you've made a step forward in your mindset, a step forward in your business, a step forward in your family, it doesn't matter how big or small that size of that step is, you want to start noticing what you're doing well. And what will happen is your brain will start to look for, notice the things that are going well. And pretty soon you've got a different identity. You're caring about how you're feeling. You're aware of what comes up. You have a mechanism for attending to it. And you start noticing more and more and more of the good things. So that's the acronym for ICANN. I love it. That is clear as clear can be. So let me ask you, another acronym that you use is called HIT. You use the term for uh, you want to be hit and not lit. (laughs) (laughs) I don't yeah. know if that's how you say it, but that's how that's how I thought about it as I read it. So talk to me about what that stands for and what that means with uh, I think it's so important because I'm I am a positivity uh, I I really think that we have to be so intentionally positive in the word world today, not to the degree of ignoring emotions, but to the degree of 
overcoming all of that negativity. So talk to me about the H-I-T and the L-I-T. How do you pronounce it? I just read it. I want to yeah, hear you talk it's, about it's it. It's hit and lit. And so, it, so what I thought about when I did this, I thought when you think about yourself like as a rock star, it's like the hit version of you, right? It's the one that's on the stage who's just like rocking out the house, right? And it's like that hit version. That's who you're aiming to be, right? The highest, best expression of yourself. And what I thought is when you have a clear image of what that looks like, it's a high image thought, right? It's a high image resolution. And this is connected to our thinking. When you think of yourself as low or unworthy or sad, those are a real low image resolution. And when you look at those kind of pictures, they're grainy. That's not what we want. So in the book, I use that acronym of you're always wanting to touch into your hit. This is that high image thought right? Because your thoughts are really driving the bus. And it gives you an opportunity to really check in with yourself. Like how, what am I thinking about this, right? How am I really feeling about this? And so if you continue to monitor that, you will be in that hit zone more. If you're like, all right, I'm thinking really negatively about this. How can I change this? And I'm not talking about ignoring emotions. I don't believe in it. So this is why if you go back to chapter two, which is the C, I talk about that care inventory. All feelings are valid. But the question is, which ones do you want driving your bus? Which ones do you want to live by? So the higher the the feelings, the emotions, like when you feel happy and joyful and accomplished and like you can do it, you feel good. Your energy is high. You can move forward. When you feel defeated and sad and in despair, it's just hard. (laughs) You can still do some. The quality of your life is diminished. So I want you to think about the hit version of yourself. What is the highest, best expression of myself? And if I find myself lingering in these low image thoughts of me, then what can I do to shift that? And that's why I'm so thrilled about what I do in the tapping work. Ah, tell you what, this is fascinating and powerful uh, information. And it's more than information. It's like an experience of going to the next level, which is what you what you take people to, uh, which I want to talk more later about how you got to that. And but let's I, I I found I took so many notes from your book, I, I actually okay. read with a highlighter. And ah. I've Yes. And I, I used to think that I couldn't write in books. My mom was a librarian, <laughs> but I read too much to not write in books because I I learned from one of my guests, in fact, several weeks ago, who reads uh, hundreds of books a year. It's crazy. I'm, I'm shooting for like 60 this year, which I really, I'm, I'm almost there, so I'm going to make it. But that was a big bump up for me. But he says he reads books twice. He reads books once with underlining and highlighting, and then, then he reads the reads them again while reading just the highlighted sections. And then he Ah. really gets it. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense to me. So I've started doing that. But anyway, let me go on to the next thing I highlighted, which is it moves us. you, You talk about the action section. And in the action section, you talk about SMART goals. And I've thought this was very interesting because I have learned SMART goals as SMART being specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and timely. Now, that's kind of the standard, but you tweaked it. 
and I like your tweak. Um, but before we get into that, I have to, I, I just recently did a, a workshop, Letitia, and I was, I was stunned. There were several men in there. We were working on vision casting and g- goals, but okay. at that point we were working on, to me, the, what I do is I talk to people about vision first, let's get the big picture and then let's reverse engineer and look at what you need to do today to start the stepping process of the journey to the bigger picture. And I had several guys in there that were like, and and I say guys, men that were 30 or more. um, And they were like, no, I don't believe in setting goals. I don't believe in having a vision board. I, I think you are, it's dangerous you know, basically one of them said, my grandfather taught me never write it down. And I'm thinking, wow, that was a big um, weight that that grandfather put on this guy who has lived to, he looked like he was at least 50 and he didn't set goals. But so there's a lot of things that we could say and talking about action, but I had to share these statistics that you put down, which I had seen before, but not in a long, long time. And there, I I wanted to email them to all these men that were in this course, (laughs) that were in the workshop and said, I don't do that. Because Mark McCormick researched goal-setting habits of MBA students and in his study, which I think was published in the book, What They Don't Teach You at Harvard Business School, if I took notes correctly, They revealed this, only 3% of students in the MBA program had written goals. Most people we know just have them in their head. 3% had written goals. 13% had goals that were not written. 84% had no specific goals. And they followed up 10 years later, found that the 13% that had goals that weren't written earned twice as much as the people with no goals. But the astounding figure is that the 3% who had written goals earned 10 times more than their classmates. My Mm -hmm. gosh, that is an attention-getting fact. So with that introduction, let's talk about your version of SMART goals. Yeah, so my version of SMART goals really started with the idea of, you know, what do you want? You know, what do you want and why do you want it? So, you know, if I, you know, if I want to get a new car, well, that's, that's fine. You know, all right, I'm not going to be motivated to do much to get the new car, except maybe unless maybe the car is falling apart. But if I want a new car as, um, I don't know, as a reward, maybe my grandmother drove a Chevy and now I'm going to get a Chevy, right? I'm going to get emotionally involved in what's going on. And what I do in that process, what I talk about in the book is asking yourself why five times, the deeper you get into the why, the deeper you have an emotional connection to what you're doing. Once you have a deep emotional connection and conviction about something, you are emotionally incentivized to move forward. That means when you get up that ne- that day and you don't feel like doing whatever the thing is, you've got something circling you back. So it's not just specific like I want a new car or even I want a 2022 car. It's, no, why do I want this? Why is this important to me? Why is this relevant to me? And I learned this through Simon Sinek's book, you know, Ask Why. 
And I talk about that in the book. And that really resonated with me because that is the fuel, the emotional fuel you need to drive the bus. And writing the goal down is so powerful because once you actually put it in writing, it comes out of your mind and it's the first level of manifestation, really. Right. Everything starts in the mind. Everything starts starts as a thought in the mind. And it isn't until you take that thought out of your head and put it on paper that you actually see the first level of that manifestation. Right. But then you have to have some mechanism for measuring it. Right. You got to know if you're on track. So I talk about that in the book, how to track it. And you got to make it actionable. I want a new car. What does that mean? That means I'm going to at least probably have to go to a dealership. I don't know. Do some research on the car something. There's some action that I've got to take in order to be in sync with what I'm doing. And then the R is for rewarding. So I talk about it being rewarding. I don't care about reasonable. Reason is not for vision. Reason is not for goal. Reason is for the stuff you can already do. I love that. I want to know what that what are we talking about here in this book? We are talking about you being the highest version of yourself, right? The highest version of yourself is not the reasoning mind. It's not the you you are today. And it's certainly not the you you were yesterday. It is the highest version of yourself. So as you are moving toward this higher version, you are talking about a change in your paradigm. And so as you do this, that's not easy because we got these little things called habits, (laughs) And sometimes they cycle us back to frustrating behavior. So this, the rewarding chapter is very similar to the notice chapter. It's about taking those little steps and celebrating the heck out of your progress, not just waiting for success. So you want that rewarding piece so that you feel constantly in this state of accomplishment as you're moving toward the goal. I I think that is better. I, I'm I'm going with your version of smart. Yeah, <laughs> it's better. You took something memorable and made it better. And I, I really like that. There is so much that we could talk about that is in this book, because I can see that this whole um, wheelhouse, and I have to mention, the I love the name of your business, At The Wheel Coaching. So we'll talk more about that in a minute, but your okay. website, atthewheelcoaching.com, I just think it's uh, very um, attention-getting because we know that mindset Even, well, there's just, wow, we think our minds are in control. But like you said, I often tell the story about the uh, elephant and the rider. And the elephant would be the emotions and the rider being our thoughts. And we think, Ah, we think the rider is in charge. You get up on top of that elephant and you say, I can go anywhere I want to go now. Well, actually, you're going to go where the elephant wants to go unless you you really get good and coordinated and aligned, which uh, is all, it's a, it's a process, isn't it? It's not it something is. you can just go to one session with a person who understands it all and learn it. And like you said, it's not like you can Google it and save it in your notes and say, okay, I got this now. It's a, it's a lifelong journey. But it I is. want to mention something that we didn't talk about in your introduction, that also has to do with mindset. And it was one of the reasons that 
I reached out to you. I met you on a webinar, a Zoom, I guess it was, where yeah. you know I could see you, and I thought, oh man, you just lit. I told you it's like you, your little square lit up for me, and I thought I need to know that that lady. But oh. you received a really significant award. Talk about celebrating success in in 2019. It was the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Leadership Award. That jumps out at me. And I want you to tell me what that what that meant to the people who gave it, but more importantly, what it meant to you. Yeah. So thanks for asking. So a little story about why my business is called At The Wheel Coaching. I was an insurance claims professional for 20 years. And so all of the work that I did, particularly in the last decade, was around process management, around people who had been in a car accident, and helping them get back at the wheel of their vehicles, right? Because nobody wants an accident. So once the accident happens, everything is all about reducing the cycle time to get people back at the wheel of their vehicles. And so naturally, I just thought, oh, well, people run into things and they have a hard time getting back at the wheel of their lives. And I want to shorten that cycle time. So this is why I use these tools, because these the tools like tapping or NLP, the other tools that I use in my coaching practice, they fast forward that process to help you reduce that cycle time so that you feel like you are sitting powerfully at the wheel of your own life. So when I left the insurance world and stepped into the coaching world, I really had no idea what I was doing. I didn't really have a strong business plan. It just, but it was a calling and it got to a place where I had to answer the call. And that's what I did. So I um, went to Toastmasters because I thought, all right, I'm doing this whole new thing. And I became a distinguished Toastmasters. Toastmasters, a quick plug, is an amazing organization if you have a message you want to communicate. Um, So I'll just throw that in there. And I was just learning how to begin to speak to this new world that I had stepped into. And so one of the community leaders saw what I was doing, understood that I really wanted to help people be the best version of themselves. And he likened that to what Martin Luther King had seen for our, you know, really for our world, especially for our nation, that we were better than the way that we were behaving. And so holding the image, right? This is what Dr. Dr. King did. He held the vision. This is the same thing we're talking about. He got a clear vision in his mind about what he believed was possible for the com- for the country. He had a clear why, and he gave every single thing in his life over to that vision. And so me wanting people to see that they are bigger than their circumstances, they're certainly bigger than their past, there's a higher version of them waiting, and if they can plug into it, tap into it, and live into it, lift themselves up to it with help, with support, with whatever they need, the whole world would be a better place. Now, that sounds a bit, you know, maybe uh, Pollyanna, but I really believe it with all my heart. And it's been demonstrated. We keep seeing it over the history. So when they reached out to me and said, we see what you're doing in the community. We want to give you this award for holding that high vision. It was just, you know, just high praise. I truly, truly believe that every single human being on the planet is a being of love and light and that things and circumstances come into our lives and they create these personas and we wrap ourselves in those identities that do not serve our highest good or the highest and greatest good of all. And if we are willing to step forward and to move past that, then we definitely open that opportunity to be our highest self. 
Wow, that was very well expressed. And I, I, I heard one thing you said. I heard everything you said, but one thing you said is people are better than the way they are behaving. Yes. Wow. That's, that's another big quotable quote. Uh, so I love it because, you know, here we are, another picture of di- diversity and inclusion with our conversation of Martin Luther King and, the, and the, you know, becoming better as a nation. And I just am so thankful to be having this conversation because I've, I've been teaching diversity and inclusion during this period of time that our nation has been so radically divided and so, um, so hateful, really. There's just been so much hate and I have wanted to make it better. I've wanted to, what can I do? And I've learned that what I can do is invite conversations, listen carefully, be in the conversation and continue to have them. Because when at the end of the day, our skin is a different color, but we are better together. We need each other. And I I see that as a, from a human standpoint first, but it's very interesting to me that as a business person, you know, I go into companies that are doing, sometimes they're doing diversity, diversity and inclusion training because they have to, you know, it's a mm-hmm. mandate. Yes. But the reality is they are going to profit. They are going to have a better culture. They are going to have a better organization because we are better together. Together. So I thank yes. you for standing for that, for more than standing for that, for actively working to heal and to help people move forward. Because when we, oh my goodness, I'm preaching to the choir. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's really, so when I think about what my mission is, my total mission for my life, for my business, it is to facilitate inspiration healing, compassion, and transformation in the world. Now that's a big charge, but what I have learned is that we do have to be inspired to heal because we can get so conditioned to being hurt, right? This is the challenge. This is why I talk about the care inventory and how important that is. When you've been dealing with something, whether you have your own trauma history, your own harm history in your own family, that maybe it's racially connected, maybe it isn't, but just as a human being, right? You have that hurt that has not been processed. Feelings buried alive don't die. They stick around and they take on different forms. So if you don't have a way of approaching that, then the anger, the hit, it just all builds. So if you can get inspired to heal, to look at what's going on in your own heart, in your own mind, once the healing takes place, then your heart opens for compassion, self-compassion first. And the more you cultivate compassion, guess what happens? It starts naturally spilling out of you and you naturally have more compassion for other people. And once that compassion is there, we can transform the world. But that is the order. We've got to be inspired. We've got to do the work of healing. I'll admit it's not for the faint at heart, especially some of the things we're talking about. A lot of pain, a lot of pain for a lot of years, a lot of time but it's possible, then we've got to have that compassion for ourselves and for our uh, for others. 
And in that spirit and in that vein, we transformed the entire world, not just our country, the world. I love it. I love it. What a message of hope. And I know that I, I want you to tell us where uh, the audience can find you, because one of the things I know that's so powerful about a coach, you can read the book and say, oh, yeah, this is good and put it back on the bookshelf. But most people won't do the work by themselves. Yes. <laughs> they won't do the work. So tell no. us where where to find you, Letitia. Yes, you can go to chatwithletitia.com. That's C-H-A-T-W-I-T-H. L-E-T-I-T-I-A.com, chatwithletitia.com. What I offer is a free 45-minute clarity session. I work with business owners. Um, so there are questions that you fill out when you answer, when you get hop on to that form. And then let's just hop on the call and just see if there is an opportunity for us to work together and how I might be of service. That's awesome. And I will be sure it's in the show notes so listeners can scroll down and just click on that link, chatwithleticia.com. Yes. And I would love to talk to you further. We've uh, come to the end of our time together today. I can't thank you enough for your wisdom, for your enthusiasm, for your hope, uh, for for all the experience that you bring uh, to the table today. I've got lots of quotable quotes that I'll be putting in the show notes. You've given us a very rich half an hour, and I want to thank you so much for your time. And the best is yet to come. Yes, it is. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation.